Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle, Rob, will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is series four, episode 17, The Third Rob. Today, we will be reviewing chapter 31 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is the third task. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Impedimenta. Impedimenta. What yeah. Harry learns nice. in this yes. chapter. Absolutely. Time. Housekeeping, anyone? I'll stop that now. Um, my housekeeping is that people loved the episode where you were drunk. The drunk episode. Yeah. Really? They loved yeah, it. Yeah, there was strong feedback for they that. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I think I think it's worth. I mean, saying... not not the real fans. I think <laughs> just our friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Our fans were probably just tired, tired by the end <gasps> of it. again. You know, apologies for the <laughs> lack of episodes recently. I'm not going to apologise like that much. I'll apologise because it's mainly because, my responsibility. Well, it was my responsibility, but now I don't do it because I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a mark there over the the commitment. Okay. Oh, the, I've got some more housekeeping. Go I just wanted it. to oh, shout uh, out to Lindsay Millington. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. A, a, Long time friend of the show. My mum. Yeah. Because she's yeah. a knitting. Oh, she's been brilliant, Lindsay Millington. Any more housekeeping? Because I've got some housekeeping. Oh, go ahead. So Sue Thomas, aka my mother, has started listening again. I don't know if you know oh, she's brilliant. quite a long break. Right, long time friend of the show. Is she is she in series two, series three? Where is she? God knows. She keeps saying things to me like, Oh, I met the one where Rob gave the chapter a seven. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, he used to just always give six and sevens, didn't he? That's and what I said. I was just like, Jesus, we don't even use that system anymore. Yeah, what else we got housekeeping? Or should we talk about the chapter? Let's no, talk let's about talk chap- about the chapter. I've got something to say about the chapter. Okay, that's that's all part of the podcast, so go, go for it. I thought it was really boring. Okay, interesting. I don't, and I think Rob will really love it because yeah. he loves Oh, I didn't like it. That's like why it. I think Rob will like it because I don't think Rob likes the good bits. But did you only yeah. think it's boring because you know what happens? I, I, I feel that about the, the tasks. I'm sure I've, I've heard myself say it before that the tasks lose their magic because you know what happens where other chapters where you know what happens don't. But I never liked this book because I didn't like the Triwizard Task part of it. And like rereading them, like I what I love, I love all the Barty Crouch. I love like you love the subtext. Yeah, I love all the subplots. I love the Winky, the Barty Crouch. Like, um, I love like going into the pensive for the first time. I love all that. But I'm I don't like the tasks element mm. there. I and I never did that. That's why I didn't used to like this book. I do like the task element of it, and I think it's because I can picture them so clearly and when I read them I do go back to that first time I read them where I was like physically tense. I just don't understand the not liking the tasks that even as a teenager like it's the replacement for Quidditch in this book. What do you think of the chapter Phil? Yeah I loved it I really loved it. Phil always it. Yeah well whatever. Well, I think <laughs> I think Rob will have liked it. 
And I think that's I think Yeah, I think everybody liked it. Obviously, also, great cliffhanger. We'll see what he thinks of the cliffhanger, like what he thinks is coming next. Probably nothing. He'll probably have no thoughts. Basically, he'll just say, I don't think we're supposed to know. Yeah, that's what he'll say. That's what he always says. I don't think he's supposed to know. Well, we'll see when he turns up. When he turns up, should we bring him in? Yeah. Oh, go on then. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. All right. Hello. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I was going to say Happy New Year, but then I didn't know where we were at. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, team. This is the first time we've recorded this year. Yeah, but this won't be out for Easter. <laughs> this is quite like a um, an important episode because Rob's actually read the chapters twice. Twice. Ch- Chapter. Chapter, sorry. Oh, God, you did, yeah, you made me nervous there. So we still yeah, only read still only one. two chapters. No, but Same he one read twice. one ages ago, and when he said that, I was like, I'm not happy about it, but he was like, no, it's okay, I'm going to reread it. Yeah, he's reread it, only, only this morning. Okay, well, let's get... So now there's no excuse for not knowing what, what happened. No, I'm going to get 100% on the quiz. Rob, hot take, chapter 31. The third task. It's what I'd describe as another movie chapter in that, like, I can see it playing out quite well in a movie. There's a lot of action. It's like an action chapter, right? Okay. Thank you very Mm. much for that. Um, Why don't we crack on with the walkthrough then? We're going to start with Phil, and then Millers will take over. I feel like, because we haven't seen Rob in a while, I feel like we should just, like, see how Rob is. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, how are you, Rob? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Okay, very good. There we are. We saw Rob. <laughs> yeah, we've seen Rob in like the last few days. Oh. Okay, here we go then. So the third task. So we open with Harry, Ron and Hermione discussing what they found out in the pensive. So what's like the general conversation that's going down here, Rob? Oh, Ron's like a bit, uh, he's a bit sort of miffed that, you know, he trusts Snape. That's, that's one of the big yeah. takeaways Ron has. Like, even yeah. though he was clearly a Death Eater. Yeah. Certified. Absolutely. So, yeah, Ron's kind of fixating on the whole Snape thing. Harry's basically shared nearly all the information that he found out from the pensive with Ron, Hermione, and he's written an out of Sirius. Um, Hermione's focusing a bit more on who. Oh, she's all she's all about the Rita Skeeter angle. Absolutely. And she's kind of made the connection that this must have been what Rita was referring to in the three broomstick yeah. and Ron kind of brings up the interesting fact that Fudge is trying to pin what happened to Crouch on Madame Maxime and this is kind of showing off his classic wizarding prejudice here about giants they go up to bed and um, Harry can't help thinking about Neville yeah it's pretty bleak and he's just watching him sleep it is watching him. it is bleak he's kind of thinking about neville and then he thinks about crouch's son yeah yeah he's thinking about the pale pale face as well isn't he pale face boy so it's not it's not the yeah. kind of you know most chilled out way to be to be going off to sleep no does this like stir emotions with you rob it's quite sad neville the neville sitch is quite sad isn't it really that he was really like sad. you know he should be getting the sort of sympathy of the orphan yeah oh yeah absolutely um so 
um, it, it, we're coming into the start of June. Harry and Herm, uh, Hermione and Ron are very much focusing on Harry getting through the, the task rather than their own exams. They're spending all their spare time practicing new jinxes and hexes and protective charms to get Harry through the third task. Everybody, the general mood in the castle is upbeat and everyone's really excited as we come to summer. Um, Harry's quite weird, isn't it? He's missed like a whole year for this. Like it is, but I think... He skipped a whole year of school. Well, he's not... He hasn't. Well, this is what I thought was weird. I think it's just, it's weird that they don't have him take the exams because really, an end of year exam, when it's not something like OWLs or GCSEs or A-levels, should just be for the teachers to see where you're at. But yeah, like, but it would draw focus. But like, I I definitely never advised for any like tests until we got to like GCSE. I did. Well done. <laughs> well, I'm just like you. That's mental. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't, that is mental. It wasn't like big up was like Rob, oh big deal. Rob stubbed it as mental. That it's not mental. Millers, it's bigged up because when you get handed back your test paper in the during your lesson, you want to be the one who's got the highest mark in the class. I'd rather just not spend the time revising. Right. So we were talking about the whole exam thing, and surely that's not um a big deal. You don't kind of see that as a big deal given like what's happened the last two years where there has been this gap in education and this gap in exams and predictive. Basically, the teachers would have predicted his grades for that year. That's it. Yeah. They should be probably just doing that. No, because you need to get used to an exam structure. You need to learn to revise. Only, only because you'll have to do more exams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but if you just, if you, but that's, that was only imposed by Hogwarts. It's such a square, Phil. Chill out, mate. No, like o- OWLs, they've got to do exams and assessments. Yeah, I and know, but things. like that, if they they could change that, and then you like you only have to get used to taking exams to take more exa- exams. Yeah. What are you doing there, Rob? <laughs> are you taking your trousers off? Just, just doing some uh, some laundry while you talk about this. What's going on? Being like comedy props. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. So McGonagall sorted them out with classroom to practice in. And during one of their practices, Ron winds up looking out of the window and who catches his eye? Oh, like Malfoy Crab and Goyle chatting into like, you know, walkie talkie or something. Looks, oh, I've just yeah. realised. I've just realised what's going on with Rita Skeeter. I reckon. What? Oh yeah. What, what? Just now, some sort of fanny's dropped. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we wait Good until? We get the no, 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 no. Why don't we wait? No, until... I want to hear his theory. Fresh. This is all over the shop. Well, he's he's. They're talking into like a what you know. There's a suggestion that it's a walkie-talkie. Yeah, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and I what reckon it's Apple Watch. No, it's some sort of device where he's talking to Rita, feeding her the stories. Why, so what you've realised is what's why, been suggested. Why could it not be, though, Rob? Well, because it, it can't be a walkie-talkie because they don't work in the grounds. So, so it'll be like a magic... Realized? 
it will be like a magic frog or something. Like it will do the same. It will do the same job, but it will be like something ridiculous. <laughs> a snail shell, like a talk, like a talkie walkie. Yeah, it, no, it'll be a snail shell. It'll be called no, like a sort the magic frog or something. <laughs> the magic, you know. Frog. Well, that's a decent effort. That's a decent effort. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you've got an opinion. Yeah, it's good that you're thinking about it, and it yeah. wasn't a bad effort at all. Let's let's crack on though. Okay, so Sirius is now sending daily owls because he hasn't got much else to do. Let's be honest, um, and they're all kind of filled with notes of caution. But basically, the general tone is that he's confident that Harry's safe as long as he's under Dumbledore's protection. So he just wants Harry to focus on getting through the last task. And then they can deal with what's going on outside Hogwarts. Um, and Harry's just looking forward to kind of the whole thing being over, really. So, morning of the task. What did you think of Harry's good luck card from Sirius? Yeah, that was pretty cute, wasn't it? Did the you like it? Print. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't even write in it, though. Bother, and he's been sending daily owls. <laughs> he can write. like He can transform <laughs> into a, a man and write, as he's been doing. But he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> a muddy, muddy paw print says a thousand words. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? So um, Hermione's daily prophet arrives. And what? imprinted yeah there's a sort of slanderous libelous even article on um on harry in yeah yeah uh, you know one of the sources is malfoy is yeah. saying he's a bit he's gone a bit mental they she knows about the episode where he sort of passed out with the pain in um in the in loft. divination divination so how do you think she knew about that the Magical frog slash snail shell frog, device. Yeah, yeah. But it was she's... only Gryffindors in divination. You yeah, think one of got... the Gryffindors been chatting to the frog? She's got a way of... She's got maybe like a sort of echo. Like a sort of... Um... An Amazon echo. An Amazon echo. Yeah. Sponsored by Amazon. <laughs> yeah, an Amazon echo maybe is has been placed that kind of that kind of vibe but you know okay. a book or a frog or something yeah okay lovely so the title of the article is harry potter disturbed and dangerous uh it brings up the fact that harry's a parcel turn all of these other things suggestions that he's obviously a dark wizard just trying to sell a rag with yeah. with ever more desperate stories yeah absolutely um Okay, so Harry says to Hermione, well, you're the one who's supposed to be researching magical methods of bugging. How do you think she did it? And what's Hermione's response to this? Oh, she kind of, she, she kind of in her head, understands what's going on, but then needs to check it. So uh, runs away so to the library. Finds a book about magic frogs or something. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's kind of got there in her own head, but hasn't, hasn't yet confirmed and brought them up to speed. Lovely. So um, Ron's going off to his history and magic exams. Harry's planning to go and go over some more jinxes. When McGonagall calls him to the side chamber, why is she doing that? Oh, because their families are here to watch them for the final task. Potentially watch them get slaughtered. Yeah, and obviously Harry's family isn't going to be there, but who is in the side chamber waiting for him? It's only the... The Weasley, um, the Weasley mother, whose name is 
What's her name? Doesn't matter. What's Mrs. Weasley. Yeah. And well, and Molly. Bill. Molly, sorry, and Bill. Yeah. Bill Weasley. Bill's causing a bit of a stir, isn't he? Oh, mate. Yeah, he likes the look of Bill. Fleur loves a leather waistcoat, it turns out. He's obviously a charmer, isn't he? <laughs> the description of it, again, is Harry, Harry could see that she had no objection whatsoever to long hair or earrings with fangs on them. Like, what is that? <laughs> mate, it's, it's, this is really pushing the boundaries of the old Ron jealousy here. I mean, he's basically now taking his family as well. <laughs> well, Ron doesn't. Ron's okay with all of that, isn't he? I don't think he is. Not at this point. Imagine right. turning up at school, right? Kingy bumps into his mum, and really? she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm just here to come watch Rob play football." <laughs> How would you feel, okay? Well, Rob wouldn't have been playing football for the school. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be gutted if he made the team when you did it. The other way around. From the way it's written, Ron is fine with it, isn't he? He's buzzing. I think this is one of those, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. And then, you know, in the next book, it will come out. resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Years down the line. Listen, look, my mum has knitted both of you pairs of socks. She hasn't knitted me, me any socks. Like, it's fine. Or me. That's not fine with it. I'm not fine with it. And to be clear, I think Molly should... I mean, we can cover this in the deep... We were going to cover this in the deep dive. Um, were we? Yeah, I think she should maybe be sending Ron a little owl ahead of time just to let him know. It's a bit weird that it's a surprise for him. I know it's supposed to be a surprise for Harry and he might have blown it, but I, I'd want to know. <laughs> if my mum was coming to school to watch one of my friends do, do something special, yeah, I'd want to know ahead of time. I bet a friend with dead parents... Yeah. You've got to put the contacts yeah, in there. Dead parents, but I'm surprised that like the parents in general aren't invited because they've got this massive stadium to fill. Yeah, and I you would have thought that you'd want them, your parents there, like for the for like, all the stuff, or that they'd want to be there for all the tasks because they could die at any any point. Well, we're going to talk about all of that in the deep dive. Why don't we press ahead? Okay. Okay, so whilst they're in the chamber, there's a little bit of friction between oh, Amos Diggory. What do you think about this? Amos Diggory is an absolute piece. <laughs> he, he is, isn't he? Honestly, and it, it, it really like uh, reminded me of, of there were parents like this that you kind of come across. Like I remember it particularly in a kind of in a sporting context. Right. where you like particularly in cricket where you'd have like a dad who was like super kind of bigging up his son and the son like invariably would be like Cedric is where it's like you know a bit embarrassed by it and kind of trying to apologize yeah. for him so Harry and Molly and Bill spend the morning kind of reminiscing about Hogwarts walking around the grounds having fun um and we get some information about what's going on with Percy do you remember this Rob so Harry asks Mrs. Weasley, how Percy is. Yeah, he's he's under a bit <clears throat> under a bit of pressure. Yeah, um, what's gone on? Because isn't he being investigated a bit because he's been getting messages from Crouch? Yeah. And obviously, like everyone's trying to work out where he is. Yeah, well, no. Where Crouch well, is. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's this suggestion that when 
when Pixie was following these orders that Crouch was sending in, that actually they don't know if they even came from Crouch. Mm. And so he's getting kind of questions a lot about that. And we also find out that they're not letting Percy fill in as the fourth judge tonight and that who is doing it? Your mate, Lime Green Hat. Mr. Cornelius. Yeah, Fudge. the Minister for Magic. Lovely. Um, they go back for lunch. All of the Weasleys are obviously really happy to see their mum and Bill. So they all sit and have lunch together at the Gryffindor table. Initially, Molly Weasley is quite frosty with Hermione. What do you think about this? Fucking idiot. It's a bit sly because it's exactly what she criticised Amos for. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bollocks. It is bollocks. She's she swallowed it, and then Harry has to sort of set the record straight. Yeah, and after that, things uh, run much smooth, much more smoothly. Um, blah blah blah. Afternoon. Go for dinner. Ludo, Bagman and Fudge have joined them. So we're getting ready. They have loads of extra courses, big dinner. Um, and then they head down to the Quidditch pitch, ready for the final task. Um, Hagrid, Moody, Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick are patrolling around the edge of the maze. And what's the instruction that's given to the champions if they want rescuing or need help? Uh, they've got to shoot up some red sparks. Absolutely. Um, and they'll they'll come running. Wonderful. Um, Ludo Bagman magically magnifies his voice and gets ready to introduce the final task. So Millers is going to pick up the walkthrough as we go into the maze. Um, can I just ask, Rob, were you like really excited at this point? Uh, I wouldn't say really excited. Okay. I would, my, my interest was piqued. I was, you know, keen to see what was going to go on. I wouldn't say I was really excited. But you would say you were, were you excited? I'd say my interest was piqued. But would you, so you were a little I wouldn't bit say excited. I was excited. <laughs> I felt like I was a politician there. Yeah. I mean, reading between the lines, <laughs> you were a little bit excited. <laughs> so Bagman um, announces how the points stand and what do you think of the kind of the head start yes the gladiators head start isn't it yeah yes, the gladiators head start yeah I think I think we mentioned it maybe previously that there may be it's not maybe the greatest advantage from having done all that yeah. previous stuff to have like a few exactly. extra seconds in a maze when you might just go down the wrong way straight off and it's all gone. You basically could just like not do the first two tasks. Yeah. And just walk into the third. Well, I guess you can't go through, right? You've got, you got to complete it to get to the next round. But he, like, by the time they're all in, Harry's basically met nothing, hasn't he? Hang on. You've got to complete it to get through. So why isn't... um? Why has Fleur even made it? I think the rule is probably you have to you have, have to have a go. You have to stay alive and start. Uh, not be probably horribly injured so that you can't you know carry on. And to be Fleur, it's not like she didn't have to be a Fleur. go. To be Fleur, to fair, be fair to Fleur. It's not like she didn't have a go. She didn't know what to do. She hadn't figured out the egg. She turned up. She knew. What to do. She not went like in. Harry. 
she just got done by the Grindelow, so she got like half points, didn't she? Like, so not, not very good at all. So I think as long as you make it through unscathed and you've given it a you've given it a go, you're you're free. You're free to carry on. Mm, okay, fair enough. Continue. So Harry and Cedric obviously enter the maze together, and they so they have to kind of like go the same way for a bit, and then and then at the first opportunity they they part ways. And this I just made me think like do you think that was really awkward definitely and i made me think like have you ever done that thing where like you say goodbye to someone and then it obviously turns out you're going the same way that's awful but but have you ever just pretended like like just gone the wrong way and pretended that's the way you know i've definitely done that 100 percent, 100 percent. i think we've all done that why do we do that why don't we just go oh we go the same way oh nice well, it's obviously it's when it's someone I don't really want to spend any time with. Right, yeah, 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 fair enough. So for a while, Harry doesn't come across anything. He's getting a bit um, worried about that, a bit disconcerted. Uh, but finally, he meets a Dementor. And what does he do to get rid of the Dementor? Uh, just just absolute set menu here. So he does a Patronus. The Dementor falls over. That's not real. It's a boggart. Theme. Ridiculous. Bang. I'm so happy you got all like you got yeah. all the spells. I was gonna like ask you for that. Yeah, that was brilliant. And also nice. I, I like how he described it as a set menu. You know, you're, <laughs> you're familiar with it. You're familiar with it. Yeah. It is, it is. It's 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 kind of your routine move, isn't it? See, this is this is what can happen, Rob, when you pay attention. <laughs> Do you feel yeah. good about yourself now? I told you it was hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like I'm gonna get a sticker. So next, Harry comes across some strange gold mist. Mm, um, the upside down mist. Yeah, but and before, while he's deciding what to do, whether to, to try and go through the mist or not, what does he hear? Oh, is he hears a scream, doesn't he? It's his first scream. And there's a weird sort of conflict where he's a bit Harry-ish and he's like, oh, I need to come save her. And then he's a bit like, on the other hand, she is, there's another competitor gone. Yeah, well, she, well, he, he kind of that hearing the scream prompts him to just get on and and go so into the mist. Um, as you said, it it makes everything go upside down. He doesn't know what to do. He can't think of a spell. Turns out that all he had to do was just step forward, just continue walking. I would have been instantly sick at this point. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do you think it would have gone up or down? Oh, probably a bit of both. It's all over me, really. It's a bit weird. Really humiliating. I always forget this happens and it makes me quite stressed. So he gets out of the mist and there's no sign of Fleur. What What do you think happened to her? Oh, no, I did no idea. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Could have been nipped by something, stabbed by something. But no sparks. Fallen over. No sparks because she's been knocked out or something. Mm. Who knows? Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting how we hear Harry be like, oh, one champion down. Yeah. Yeah. Sly. Oh, and oh yeah, and then he comes across a scroot. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Big, big scorpion, uh, much like the sort of the, the drawing that I did. Uh and yeah, doesn't he give it a bit of uh stupefies it, freezes it? When it's well, about to... to stupefy it, but what keeps happening when he stupef- tries to stupefy it? Does it bounce off the shell? 
Yeah. It's all a bit Pokemon. Uh, so we have to then dodge, <laughs> <laughs> dodge it. Um, I think it's yeah. the impediment jinx in the end um, yeah. that does work. Um, and he legs it. But what does he hear as he's run and run away from the the screwed? Mm. Does he hear some more? Doesn't he hear Cedric in pain? He hears Cedric. Some more sort of like screaming. Yeah, and he hears Cedric. And what what's going on there? He sort of push kicks his way through the bush mm. and uh, crumbs crumbs crucifying him. Turns out. Crucio, yeah, yeah. Crowd on. Crumb is performing the Cruciatus curse on Cedric. Crucio, he's, yeah. He's not crucifying him. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's torturing him. He is, tor- he Crumb, is torturing Crumb's him. Crumb's erected a cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did this surprise you? Yeah, it did a bit because, yeah, it's a bit extreme, isn't it? It's more than needs to be done. Yeah. Like if you're trying to beat someone in the maze, you could just sort of tie them up, do that thing they do to never where he pisses himself. That kind of thing, without without needing to sort of torture him, as well. You could just leave him on the floor, wrap him in vines. Yeah, I mean, put him in a bush. An unforgivable curse. Even I mean, you could even just stupefy them. Yeah, couldn't you? He's risking a term in Azkaban for that. Yeah. Yeah, mental. It's a mental. Unforgivable yeah. curse. Um, so yeah, how he kind of helps out, saves Cedric. Um, they leave Crumb. He sends up Sparks, doesn't he? Yeah, they send up. They send them up on yeah. Crumb's behalf, having Harry stupefied him. Yeah, and then Harry and Cedric go their separate ways. Um, and what does Harry meet next? Next up is the Sphinx. The Sphinx with, frankly, uh, the worst riddle I think I've ever heard. Well, I didn't. I obviously didn't get the riddle until I got the answer, but. I, I, riddles, um, I would have, I would have just tapped out at that point. Yeah. Yes, red sparks. But I mean, one of the clips. <laughs> no, I would have just sort of like, if, if this was like a computer game at this point, I would have just sort of started shooting at the, the lion, <laughs> yeah. thing, or just like try and beat it up. Like I don't want to, I don't want to dick about with a, with a riddle. <laughs> just start shooting spells at it. But he he does he does um <laughs> he does it doesn't he? he does it pretty quick it's all it's all done quite rapidly. Mm. This is not a very good riddle, is it? And then she just sort of steps aside and he cracks on. Yeah. Um, that was a good so... riddle. Rob, Rob didn't get it. He's clever. I don't think Rob, I got lots it. Of riddles. I'm not saying that like it's like really really easy. I'm saying it's not a very good riddle. Like one of the things was uh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that yeah, is... that. yeah. I did think that as well. Yeah. Uh, Spider. It's like a Spider. What next? Harry can see the cup and he run. He runs towards it, but as he's running, um, Cedric appears in, ahead of him. Um, mm. And then, but then, like a massive spider appears. Yeah, and, yeah. And, like, I can't. Oh, I can't remember now. I wasn't paying much attention. Um, Oh, come on, Millers, you've got to read it. Well, Millers never revised. Um, he, like, yells at him, doesn't he? Yeah, so from he, Harry, yeah, Harry, Harry... yells at Cedric. Yeah, Harry's got the perspective where he can see the spider coming from a parallel path that's about to verge onto theirs, and Cedric can't see it because he's just got ice for the cup, and he's, like, too close to the spider to see it, if that makes sense. Spider comes out of nowhere. What happens, Rob? 
they sort of they're both sort of spelling at it and eventually they they sort of do it together at the same time but first it like picks oh yeah yeah sorry it picks both of them up in fact and can you remember what spell gets the spider to drop him um no because he's like being been picked up by the spider and he's like flailing yeah and he does a spell and the spider drops him and then he sort of breaks his leg a bit yeah he mm. does the, he does expelliarmus and what does expelliarmus normally do uh, <laughs> um, expelliarmus sends it away no normally it. it disarms someone okay so yeah disarms <laughs> makes the spider drop what it's uh, holding and then you're right but both him and cedric manage to stupefy the spider at the same time and that works so harry's quite injured at his mm. leg as he um as he fell and cedric is now just by the cup um so how he's kind of thinking it's it's over um but cedric refuses to take it yeah they have a little back and forth what do you think um, about cedric you know, here yeah well i've always thought cedric's a decent decent guy to be honest other than you know getting with cho which isn't his fault that's just you know that's harry's problem He's, he's yeah. always been all right. Apart so from you didn't like him at some point because of some animals. Oh yeah, because he what did he do? He sacrificed a dog, didn't well, he? Well he turned no, it was a yeah. rock, remember, that he turned into a dog. Well, let's not go into that again. Yeah. He likes Cedric. That's the most important thing. Apart from the dog sacrifice. Uh yeah, so th- so they agree here, which normally I'd be against, but I think in these circumstances it makes sense. Um they agree to pick it. Pick it up together, touch it together. Mm. Great idea. And what happens when they touch it? I think they appear to like sort of fly into the air, holding it like it takes off. Mm. Yeah. Which, to be honest, with with a broken ankle, is the last thing you want. <laughs> exactly. Where do you think they're going, Rob? So no big podium or something. Lots of clapping. Mm. Ticker tape. Um, mm. Bag man on the vocals. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, all of that kind of It's idea. suspicious, though, isn't it? Like, that it's the host school. They ended up having two champions, and then, like, oh, they both, oh, they the both yeah. won. Mm. They co won it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it played it's out. fishy, I think. I've got no suspicion. Well, we're nearly at the end of the book, Rob. So, what do you think is happens next? Do you think it's just happy ending, gold medals all around? No, there's there's going to be some fallout from the old torturing. Oh, the, the crumb old crumb thing. torture. Mm. We have got the magic frog to be real. Oh yeah, yeah. We have got, um, you know, the other schools have got to go home at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when they all find out about the magic frog. <laughs> I'm really. Oh, I can't wait mm. for that. Yeah. I made to the magic from. I mean, I've got a bit of muggle mail, which is similar kind of question, you know, because I think there's something else in the book unresolved oh, whoa, whoa, that you haven't brought up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, no, no, no. It's we okay. need a jingle. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. But I'm oh. not doing it now because oh. it's muggle mail. And first, we need some ratings. What are your ratings? What are your ratings? What are your ratings? What are your ratings? It's ratings time. Well, Rob, what what are your ratings for the third task? 
for this chapter, the third task, I have gone for an A for acceptable. A acceptable. Okay. You know, I told you, I thought I agree with what I thought it was a bit boring. Yeah, it's a bit of action, but it's a bit like oh, uh, this thing happens and then he does this and he gets past it, and then this thing happens and he gets past it, and it's like the Sphinx and he's like past it in a second. Yeah. But I think like it is, you know, it's just if 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 I was set up to write this chapter in with all the context that she's got, I think it could have been better. Do you know I mean she's got this magical world of possibilities of anything could have been. You like to have a go at that. I mean, <laughs> could could be an interesting bit of creative writing task for Rob. We get to hear Rob's um, review tonight. Yeah, after Muggle Mail, what we're going to have yeah. is gonna have um, a review written by the Guardian. Yeah, the Guardian have been on. New novel. That hasn't um, been written yet. The Underwood. But before we do that, let's hit this. Oh, Rob, why are you so silly? You dress like a muggle and you look like a Weasley. Oh, Rob, what do you think? You stupid muggle likes to drive our listeners to the brain. Damn muggle. Any muggle mail for Rob? Oh, oh yeah. As always, get your muggle mail and our post into us, the Harry Potter Virgin on Instagram, the Harry Potter Virgin on Facebook, or if you know us, you can WhatsApp us. Sorry, this isn't a question. This but is from. It, I think it's worth reading. This is from, this is from Verity. Long time friend of the show. For long time listeners, Verity is the person who sent in a photo of Mrs. The real Norris, Mrs. Norris's grandson. <laughs> that, is a, that is a real callback, that. Verity landed in the UK today for the first time in what two and a half years. Oh, welcome home, Verity. Well, she'll be yeah. she'll be hanging out in because she said we both decided we fancy Rob in the calendar. Oh God, my favourite in the calendar. She says my favourite is February. This is a joke. And cursed babe is October. Is we both? Baz, Baz and Kirsty. Now, she did say we fancy Rob in the calendar. So maybe the calendar is your the best form of you. This is February. Did I tell you what Maz said when I gave her her calendar? What did she say? She like flicked through and she went, he is good looking, isn't he? Everyone says that, but they're always like really surprised. Mm. She was like, yeah, he's yeah. Good looking, That's a constant theme, that, isn't it? Well, thank you very much for that. Well, and if you are also someone who has a calendar, which month is your favourite? I've got Muggle Mail. Rob, it's from longtime friend of the show and well-respected listener. H to the C to the Bizzle. Joanna. Oh, who sent us a picture the other day of a hot cross bun? Yeah. It's January. It's not good enough. It was un... Toasted. Un, like, unsliced. I'm toasted, I'm buttered. She's just eating That's it. That's how Sky has him. What a depressing life. How old Sky? <laughs> Do you know what? I've I've never liked a hot cross bun, but I think you know, as an adult, you you sort of you have like taste cycles, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm ready to go back in and give it a go. Yeah, go oh, on. They're so good. Make sure you do it properly. My prediction is you'll fucking love it. Yeah. Slice it in half. No. Toast it. Slice it in half. Toast it. Butter it. Enjoy salted butter. Enjoy. You do salted vegan spread. Yeah, that's what. But that salted vegan spread is delicious. Anyway, that one you guys have. It's really good. It's because it's really salty. Very good. Oh, it's delicious. Right, HCB. She said, 
I want to know what does Rob think is going on with Crum and Crouch, and where does he think Crouch has gone? I think Crum is is not actually a baddie. I think he's probably been, you know, like um, a bit like we were saying earlier with the the kid who's been sort of forced into stuff by his oh. dad. I reckon he's been, you know, Karkaroff's been sort of, you know, telling him to do. Do you mean Karkaroff? He's pushed him into it. He's groomed him. He's gro- Yeah, you mean he's like groomed him. You don't mean th- that you think he's been magically coerced into it. No, I think, think he's he's, he's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been been sort of you know, Karkaroff's been in his ear so much, made him think there's such a big thing that he's had to. He's gone to the last resort. Okay. He's desperate. Otherwise, he's like, you know, you're going to... We're going to kick you out of school and kill your family or something. Okay. Oh, and what about Crouch? Do you remember the last time you saw Crouch and what was happening? Yeah, he was all sort of jabbering in the woods, wasn't he? Yeah. It all with poor Tom's a cold. He was all ragged. <laughs> covered in rags. Was that, a, was that a Lear reference? It was. It Absolutely was. wonderful it was, stuff. He was all covered in rags and sort of, you know, making no sense. And then he disappeared and Crumb was on the floor. And what, so what do you think of Crouch? Where's he gone? That's what HCB wants to know. I think he got, someone came and recollected him, recaptured him mm. and bumped, bumped Crumb at the same time. Okay. Probably Voldemort's like um, the fella... Uh, the worm tail. Okay. Yeah, a, de- a, a respectable, respectable theory. Okay. Any more muggle mail? No, no, nothing for Rob. A hot cross buns on sale now. Yeah, oh, yeah. they're always on sale. I, I, I had one today. Well, there's a couple of things that we need to do there. Firstly, let's hear the review from the Guardian. Uh, who, who wrote it, Rob? In the Guardian. Aren't you going to read, read it? Uh, yeah, I can read it. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't want a spoiler alert, but I think it's probably going to be quite a strong review. Well, <laughs> I've, not read, I've not read it yet, so I'm really looking okay, forward to Okay, right. Here we go. Let's do this. The Underwood by Rob Powell. Oh my God, it's long. <laughs> a magical children's delight with a conscience. Five stars. Oh, hello. Five stars. You gave yourself five stars. The Underwood is the magical debut novel from up-and-coming part-time author and podcaster Rob Powell. <laughs> Flattering comparisons have been drawn between Powell and J.K. Rowling, with the former claiming in an interview, to be honest, I think anyone half-decent English could write a Harry Potter equivalent. And when immersed into Powell's magical underground world, it is not hard to see why some are suggesting it is the new Hogwarts. This beautifully written piece of work will engage and enthuse children and young adults alike with enough nuance, humour and intrigue to keep parents and teachers interested too. That's, that's where the money is. That's where the market is. <laughs> Dark themes are explored head on throughout and the book unflinchingly addresses issues of diversity and acceptance in modern society in a child-friendly way while not shying away from the complex issues of gender, sexuality and race. Rob, what? Ooh, hefty topics. Animals. I can't wait to read this book. I can't wait to read this book. The characters are flawed in various ways, each with their own backstory and a lesson to bring to the reader. 
it is hard not to fall in love with the novel's main protagonist, Arlo, a young girl doing her best to get by in difficult circumstances, as well as the, ho as well as the host of magical woodland pals she meets along the way. <laughs> though, it'd be, <laughs> though it would be cynical to suggest this was Powell's intention, it would not be... <laughs> <laughs> it would not be surprising to see a stuffed froggart, a large hairy toad-like creature whose comedic dialogue often steals the show on every kid's Christmas list this year. <laughs> Merchandise. <laughs> this book is a real heart warmer and is set to be an instant classic. Don't be surprised to see a sequel in the coming years. <laughs> well, again, money. Rob, you know what? <laughs> We've got to read this then. Yeah. I mean, we can't actually ask Rob to write a novel. We can, chapter by chapter. Of course we can. Of course we can. And I cannot wait to see the prototype for the Frogget. What, what is your, like, targeted age range? Sort of, what's early secondary school? Like, like 12. 11, 12, yeah. okay. Yeah. So just, like, pre-teen? Yeah, yeah. To get a decent, like, child's novel, you've probably got to write 50,000 words. Look, don't focus on the end project. Focus on the steps. Yeah. Yeah, so step one is chapter one. All right, so we want... What's our word count for chapter one? 2,000 words every time. Oh, Jesus. Don't give him a 2,000 words. You're not going to... Well, you don't want to read you that. You need a rough idea. Like, otherwise, you'll just write, like, Rob, you've already written 200 the first, words. You've already written the first line. That's, that's what? Probably <laughs> 20 words. Just do that another hundred times. Yeah, mm. right. Next week. Um, Jesus. No, it's a project. I'm joking. <laughs> but you should be. Well, we do want you to make a star on chapter one. Yeah, chapter one. Um, and we also need you to read. I was about to say, are we doing one or two chapters? Two. The next two aren't that long. I think we're doing two chapters. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Rob, for next time, we would like you to read chapter thirty-two. Flesh, Blood and Bone. Okay. And chapter 33. The Death Eaters. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Are you still seeing the ticker tape podium? Bit of Patronus action. Well, Flesh, Blood and Bone could just be... A soup. Could just be Harry's injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'd imagine there's bones come through. But the Death Eaters, there's not going to be expected Patronum, Rob. Remember what the Death Eaters are? They're not dementors. Expecto Patronum. They're not dementors. Oh, you keep doing that. No, it's a common mistake. It, yeah, with Rob. <laughs> Do you reckon she regrets that, making them too similar? No, no they're I've not never too similar for anyone else but you, I've, Rob. I've never confused them. No one life. else has ever confused them. We're Rob. on the cusp of finishing this. I'm avoiding the question. <laughs> what is a Death Eater? They are the supporters. Yeah. Your Snapes. Your Karkarovs. Your... Um, Probably not the fellow who got killed. Crouch. Oh, crouch. Baby Crouch. Crouch shit. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, oh. Crouch shit. Sorry, can I just ask, was it the start of this book where they were like hanging the woman upside down and her breeches were on show? That's right. That yeah. feels like about five years ago. Not just the woman. It was her, the family, wasn't it? That's what the Death Eaters were doing. The Death Eaters were hanging the muggles upside down. And See, this is the problem, though. Like, that is so far away for Rob. Okay, Rob, so you've got Flesh, Blood and Bone and the Death Eaters. Good luck with them and... Um, Get writing. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you later, mate. I love you all. Bye. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 He's gone. Thoughts? Okay.
I just hope he gets a shock now. Like I'm okay with I'm okay with all of that, but um, I really I love him. He's always just like he he wants to convince us that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, like, even funny. with a, t- a chapter title that is flesh, blood, and bones. So. <laughs> just be Harry's leg. <laughs> do you think? Do you do you think so? Like none of the books have ended without like a kind of big climactic ending. He knows it's nearly at the end. I know. Actually, like what one, two, three, four, five, six chapters left, yeah. and that's just going to be like, oh well. People have got it's to go home. Yeah. You've got to get time to like for the for people to get back home again. So <laughs> I love that. I, I love the they've been transported to a podium and there's going to be ticket tape and you know marching band and bagman on the vocals and he, he just, just thinks he just thinks it's a nice end. Well, it's nice. No, guys, this is good. This is good because he he likes at the end there, he likes Cedric. And I wish he hadn't brought up the dog because he'd forgotten the dog. Oh yeah. And this has to be the peak of liking Cedric. You need to like Cedric. This is the peak now where he's got the chance to take the cup on his own. Oh, and he doesn't. He decides oh, to do the, the right thing and share it with Harry. And Rob was on board with it. I was like really nervous that he was going to be like, oh, Cedric's being a right little kind of like goody. Yeah. You know, I, thought, well, I thought he might be But he like, wasn't at all. He, he, was, he was like, normally I wouldn't agree with this, but this time I do. And, and that's so, so good because now he's going to get, well, we know what happens now. I know what happens. And hopefully it will shock him. It's going to shake him to his core. What's your question? Tell me what's your question. Uh-huh. What's your question? Tell me what's your question. What's your question? Tell me what's your question. What's your question? Tell me what's your question. Our post then. Um, what do we have in the mailbag, Millers? I've got a voice note. Oh, voice note. is it from me? Um, I'm just sending it into our post to like our own show. Said, um, what's your question? What's your question? What's your question? What's your question? Judge, 
do you get me? With knowing that, like, yeah, Pitsy does have a bit of a vested interest in Harry and in Hogwarts, like a little bit of favouritism there, even though I know I'm sure he would act on it. But it's obviously the aim of Moody, aka Crouch Jr. and Voldemort and Wormtail and all of them at this point is to get Harry to get to the maze with as many points as possible. Anyway, I'm rambling, so I'll stop. But yeah, I did think that actually that does make sense if you look at it like that. That's a really interesting theory. And I, I think there is decent evidence to back it up because we know from this chapter just gone that it's been raised with Percy that the instructions being sent from Crouch there's some suspicion in the ministry that they might actually not be from Crouch so one of the instructions could have been Percy Weasley is to take up my responsibilities as a judge at the tournament and who is feeding Voldemort information at the moment that we know of Wormtail yeah who's most of his absence with, in the Weasley the household Weasleys. yeah absolutely we know who Percy is and would know that he had a relationship yeah. with Harry Potter well, he was Percy's pet yeah. 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 yeah 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 exactly I think all that makes sense I just um kind of thought there would be like some it, there would be like a like a higher sign off but clearly not until this point where things have really gone wrong with Crouch yeah. and the ministry now actually looking into it obviously it just wasn't being kind of no one was really on it before yeah I can't really remember um how it's worded in that chapter but it seems to be almost quite a last minute thing that Crouch can't be there Percy was probably going with him Percy fills in um whereas with this one where it's a bit more Crouch has been absent for a while it's more like no, you're not going to do it. The Minister of Magic's going to fill in. And that that feels mm. much more right, I think, if it was yeah. back back at the second task and Crouch had come down with, like, dragon pox and was in St Mungles and it looked like he wasn't going to be back for the whole, for the rest of the year, then he would have been replaced by Fudge earlier on. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I think that's... I would file that under very strong fanon. Very good. Millis, what else do we have? Um, I've had... You, have you got the Facebook one? Yeah. So this is from a, a new Real Fan, Matt. Um, Hello, Matt. Hi, everyone. Real Fan here. I've started on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, so I'm massively behind, but I felt absolutely compelled to write in after listening to the Arrow Rob episode, which deals with the Chamber of Secrets. I was sure that either Rob would paddle through or yourselves would deep dive a certain topic, and it was sad that you didn't, as it's baffled me since reading the books as a child. The topic is this, the history of indoor plumbing in the wizarding world. The Chamber of Secrets was created by Slytherin when Hogwarts was first built. So did wizards invent the flushing toilet in medieval times? Was Thomas Crapper a muggle? Why would wizards come up with an entire system of pipes, U-bends and water, sorry, I'm not a plumber, rather than something that simply casts a vanishing spell on your business when you're finished? 
And how did that system then make it into the muggle world? Please deep dive into this for me as it's literally bothered me for 20 years. Um, I mean, I must admit, I I had no idea when when the flushing toilets but it would have definitely in, been it, in medieval times there was just like you just went out the window oh yeah like if i thought about it mm. if i thought about it then it's obvious but like it's not not something that's ever struck me i mean i think i know the canon answer to this oh god i believe that the the justification for why there is plumbing at hogwarts it's one of those ones where J.K. Rowling has written a bit around the books and, you know, it's probably kind of, you know, post hoc kind of found a good reason for it rather than this was always the reason all yeah. along. She categorizes it as one of the technologies that wizards decided to adopt from muggles. So they used to just vanish their business in the school. So they would go to the toilet you know she says i think it's a joke but maybe there were still kind of like areas to do it but they'd go to the toilet and then they just vanish it that used to be what they did um i can't remember why she says they did it but they decided that it would be better to adopt the muggle system of plumbing to deal with like bathrooms and that kind of thing and that it was basically installed into hogwarts like in the early 20th century, which is when Muggles started, which is when Muggles started Yeah, so it is is because Hogwarts was founded in the 13th century. Oh, no. Yeah, Slytherin's built the Chamber of Secrets, but... But not the pipes. Not not the plumbing throughout the the school. So someone put put the tap in with with the snake on it. Yeah. He's right, that doesn't fit. Well, Voldemort could have done that. Yeah, but how did Voldemort like find out about it and get into it? Because it says he found the entrance. Well, obviously, but how the... did he find the entrance? But did he find the entrance? Did he find the entrance down at the chamber? But how did he go down? Get down? Yeah, there? no, I agree. Because almost um, what Matt is saying, if you kind of fan in that, would be a better. Um, a better understanding that actually wizards didn't adopt it from muggles. Actually, wizards came up with like a plumbing system rather than mm. vanishing spells. And almost that one of them, Thomas Crapper, decided to make his millions selling that idea to muggles. Yeah. But then you're right, it doesn't, it's like a lot, it's a lot of faff when you do have a vanishing exactly. spell. Yeah, that's a nice that's a nice theory, and it is probably better. In some ways, than, that is nicer. Uh, yeah, I thought what I thought at first was like, oh, well, it doesn't mean that the the pipes are all there. It just means that the chamber's there. But but there, but it's the thing in the bathroom. Exactly. Yeah, the 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 bathroom entry system is like that. Can't have been the system when Voldemort. No, when Voldemort, it can't. Like, it can't be well, the system when it was built. Well, also. The heir of Slytherin, Voldemort isn't the only one that's ever existed. Yes, he found the entrance when he was at school. That doesn't mean that he's the only person to find it. So there could have been other people in the intervening years. And when when the bathrooms and plumbing and stuff was put in, which would have been like, what, probably the end of the 
end of the 19th century. Yeah, yeah, no, like you can make it work like that. That's there could great. have been another heir of Slytherin who, you know, put that little snake on the tap because the bathroom was put in over where the entrance was yeah. was always because there. Because it is suggested that almost Voldemort is the first heir of Slytherin to identify it um, and that he's potentially the first parcel mouse him and Harry are the only two parcel mouths who have been in the school since Slytherin himself. But that doesn't mean that's the case. And also, just because an heir of Slytherin found the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets and managed to open it, that doesn't necessarily mean they could then control the basilisk. Or that they would. Or that they would want to. You know, they might go down that pipe and be like, I'm getting out of it. But yeah. I must, I mean, he's he's got a point. It is it's a bit... Difficult, isn't it? He's got a point. The his his I'm solution. Afraid I don't have an answer for. No, no, for Matt's, you, Matt. Matt's, Matt's solution of wizards coming up with plumbing. I really like that idea that one of them monetized it. Is is a, a better solution than what J.K. Yeah. Rowling said, which is wizards nicked plumbing and put it in later, because that just throws up a whole load of other questions of like, how is the Chamber of Secrets connected to a bathroom? Mm -hmm. You know, we can come yeah. up with idea with our ideas about additional heirs of Slytherin through the years, but they're a bit weak, aren't they? Right, guys, I've got another bit of outpost, and I did forward this to you guys when it first came through. It was a few weeks back now. Who's it from? This is from Brian, real fan. Hello, Brian. New real fan, Brian. New real fan, Claxon. Dear HPVs, just a quick one to say that your podcast is super, exclamation mark. I've been a thank huge you, thank you, Brian. I've been a huge HP fan for 20 plus years, but have avoided the universe in brackets, movies, websites, etc. And exclusively I'm only into the books. We're with you there. This podcast is my first and most likely only foray into the non-book stuff. So no pressure. Fantastic. I'm a head teacher in Dublin, Ireland. So I'm nominating myself as your go-to person for all Dumbledore-related deep dives. Keep up the good work, Brian. And like also, just like so, and so we had like a little conversation, and um, he says he's one of those young, cool headmasters. As I was like, I actually can't get my head around that. Like a headmaster actually like listens to our podcast. Like that blows my mind a little bit. Does that blow your mind? I love that. It blows my mind, and I'm really grateful for receiving that message. Yeah, I love that. And we really hope we don't let you down. I mean, obviously, depending on how quickly he's catching up, it could be ages until he hears this. Yeah. If he's like mired in season two, so make sure you get back to him, Phil, and, and let him know we really appreciate. Well, I know you have already. Yeah, but I will let both of those real fans know that they were discussed in the recording tonight. And also what I love about Brian is that um, he shares his name with one of Dumbledore's names. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, that's probably why he became a headmaster. This is from um, H to the C to the Bizzle's uh, brother, Will. Short-time friend of the long-time friend of the show. He says, does Hogwarts have parents' evenings? And I think this is partially related to... What a good question. Weasley family coming in. Do you think it has no. parents' evenings? No. Why not? Because of what you've said before about it being a very, the culture of it being very different to the culture in that we know. 
with Dumbledore as headmaster, it would be very much an open door policy. It is probably encouraged and it, it's very much a situation where probably owls can go back and forth between the teachers and the parents giving feedback if necessary. But I think the vast majority of the time the kids are handed over, the parents just trust that Hogwarts are doing it in their own way. And I think if it was a different type of headmaster it it might well just be a like no don't bother corresponding with the parents they either want us to look after their kids or they don't kind of thing probably quite difficult logistically with the all the muggle parents yeah that's true um also with them like what are you gonna say to them like it doesn't mean anything to them you can tell them how they're doing in transfiguration yeah yeah exactly it doesn't mean anything to them they can't help them practice at home yeah so yeah, the, the the culture and the deal is like we take them, we do it all. Mm. You don't basically. Yeah. It's not like here where you're expected, basic parents expected to do a little bit, you know, read with yeah. whatever. When they come home, they come home. That's their holiday. They're not expected to do anything, but yeah. you don't ask questions about what basically what goes on. But it's much more of like a, um, you know, the way that they correspond is what we would determine as very old fashioned. Um, there is, you do hear it when one's being disciplined, it's always, I'm going to write to your mother, to your parents, you know, when everything happened with the car, Dumbledore said, I'll be writing to both your parents, you know, it, th- that information got to the, got to the parents, but Hogwarts were going to discipline them their own way regardless it was never going to be left to the parents to do what they wanted with it yeah it's clear that it's clear that the teachers can like receive and send letters like pretty much as you as you want so but I get you could do get the feeling that it's more about um behavior than how they're getting along other things yeah and um you do get the feeling that the parents do have a stronger relationship with the head with the head of house because if we look at what happens when they come back out of the maze um Dumbledore says to Harry Professor Sprout is with the degrees now Mm. she was Cedric's head of house and knew him best Mm. so you imagine that there's already that relationship established and McGonagall coming to get Harry to tell him, you know, that the Weasleys were there or whatever. I imagine she greeted the parents of, you know, the Gryffindor students. You know, I don't think there's there's any coincidence there. I imagine she organised the Weasleys coming. She got that invite to them. Yeah. There is correspondence, but I think it's all over letter and I don't think it's anything like the type of feedback that is expected no at all like not at all totally agree what else was that outpost you had yeah so i've got some outpost for all our real fans in well any of our like non-british real fans okay sorry you're sending our post out yeah okay (laughs) you've got our posts i'm i'm Issuing our post. You don't have our post from someone to no, them. No, it's for. You're, you're issuing it. Yeah. From Miller. My our post is for any non-British listeners. Okay. I want to know, when you first read The Philosopher's Stone, what did you picture the cupboard under the stairs being like? 
Oh, antiques and photos. And like, yeah, like a drawing. I really, really want to know because obviously, like, we have like a couple of stairs is just like a thing, mm. a British thing. But I think, but and I, I don't know whether it's British, but I kind of presume that it probably is. It definitely is. Yeah, and it's like the way we build our houses. Whereas if you look at other houses in like other places, especially places like America, where they're like huge um often yeah it's a space thing isn't yeah. it yeah so I'm I want to know like did, did were you just like that's weird what's that or like did you have a and what was your picture in your head and yes send a sketch I have an absolute banging cupboard into the stairs like I literally have exactly what I would imagine for Harry Potter except in an older house but your cupboard on the stairs is like a Harry Potter cupboard on the stairs yeah whereas like I've only ever had cupboards under the stairs that are the other way that are like the door you open the door and it's long ways what yeah and I think it's about being it being a smaller house but all my house like obviously we don't have one now so we've got a flat but all the houses that I've been in have had a cupboard cupboard on the stairs where the doors on the end. Yeah, well, actually, we do have a card under the stairs now, and it is as if it's on the end of the stairs. Oh, yeah, we do. But it's, we do. it's the stairs <laughs> that go up to the flat upstairs. Guys, do you remember that what was like the cupboard in the stairs, but wasn't a cupboard in the stairs? In it was just like a big cupboard with a full size door in our first flat in St. Albans. And on the day we moved out, one of you two was like, oh shit, we haven't even emptied it. As you went through the living room, you, you came from the living room into the little hall. It was just on your right. Oh, was there a cupboard there? Yeah, there was a big cupboard there. Do you remember? Like it was a no- it was a door, same as the door in our bedrooms. I remember the bathroom was straight ahead, and yeah. then there was your room and our room. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that the right. first day we were there, Matt Matt took the didn't didn't you take the door I off? I took yeah. the door off the living room, yeah. Yeah, because there were because you that was yeah. the problem because there was a do- living room, the cupboard and the bathroom, and there were just too many doors opening yeah. in the same place. Yeah, so we just took the took the door off. I think that might have been when we moved out. We were like, "Oh, we haven't put the door back on," <laughs> as well, like right at the last minute. We might have even put the door in that <laughs> cupboard. I just remember that that, that cupboard was just full of crap, so we were like, <laughs> "We haven't backed it." No, your your cupboard under the stairs, Phil, is. Is oh, a cupboard it's under Harry stairs. Potter because it's the side. It, it comes on the side. Yeah. yeah Where I are. remember seeing the film and being like, "What? Like that's not that's not house, a cupboard under the what stairs." What else have you had a cupboard under the stairs in that's like that? So my parents' house doesn't have a cupboard under the stairs because it, because it's got the. Isn't there a cupboard under the basement stairs? It's not with it's a side not, door. It's not really under the stairs. It's like behind. Mm. Um, cupboard behind the stairs. But but most mm. of like my other houses growing up had cupboards on the stairs that were long ways. And when I lived on Robert Street, I had a cupboard on the stairs that was long ways. What I like, I think, actually, no, maybe that wasn't long ways. Look, what I love about a cupboard under the stairs is that it doesn't have a name. You have to call it a cupboard under the stairs. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the nook or. What do you mean that is the name? Yeah, but sometimes when something is like so ubiquitous in a culture, it culture comes up with a name for it. Yeah. You're just like, no, no, it's the cupboard under the stairs. Yeah, there's no other way to of it. If James was like, oh, where's the spanner? I'd be like, where it always is in the cupboard under the stairs. There's no shorthand. And, and when James says like, where's the like 50 kilos of cat food we've got? <laughs> in, the, in the cupboard under the stairs. In the cupboard under the stairs. Along with the firewood and all the shoes. 
and a shelving you know, unit. Like she said, every house had to have one. It was like a disappearing hole. She didn't have a cupboard under the And it stairs. was where you put things. It was the cupboard where you put things when you didn't want them to be visible anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get them out of the way. You knew you probably wouldn't need them for like at least and a week. You don't yeah. want to see them. And you don't want to see them. She would she would call it like the vanishing hole or something. Maybe that's a good word for, for the cupboard like under the Like the stairs. vanishing cabinet. But that is yeah. a really nice idea. Oh, I love that. Yeah, maybe that's where JK got that from, the vanishing cabinet, when you just don't want to see anything anymore, chuck it in the wardrobe. Yeah. Listeners, real fans, when did you read Philosopher's Stone? And when you read about Harry's cupboard under the stairs, what did you imagine? And sub-question, was it translated into something that, like, meant something different or made some kind of, like, more sense in your, in your country? Specifically non-British people, because I know that anyone who's... British, British or been or lived lived in the UK before before they read it would like instantly be like okay yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah definitely. yeah right deep dive oh I've dive. got something to say okay go on um Hagrid yo mm, hold on we might talk about that well I go I want to say it Hagrid. For some reason, in the last month, you've just broken ranks and you're just like, no, this is, I just say stuff now. You've got to be careful because Sue Thomas is listening. Yeah, the point is, well, she did make another comment about this up, dynamic. And if there's something else you want to talk about, we've, we, but go, go on yeah, then. But I want to talk. Yeah, I know you want to talk. What is it then? You've got a deep dive note on your phone. You shouldn't have that. That's for me. <laughs> but I'd also I'd forgotten that I wanted to say this because I always think, oh, I'll remember it, and then I don't. Go on then. Hagrid patrolling the perimeter. What's he going to do? Yeah. What's he going to do? He's probably got his pink umbrella tucked down his shorts, his, you know, pants or something. Um, and also the giant. He can go yeah. charging in. He doesn't, um, spells don't affect him in the same way as well. Think of the two biggest monsters that Harry um, encounters, and I will be coming back to both of them. Mm-hmm. They're They've been provided by Hagrid, so yeah, he might have something more to do. And also, he grew the maze, didn't he? Yes, he did. So he probably knows it, obviously, you know, in that sense as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be coming back to Hagrid at the appropriate time. If it was me, <laughs> somewhat like people well fine having people patrolling from that fine whatever what i would have is some people on broomsticks yeah i know i know above. i know so I if know. that if it was me you'd ruin charge. the jeopardy wouldn't you you'd ruin the jeopardy mm. you don't want them to be like oh i'm on a broomstick With... i've seen they've come across a spider quick go help them yeah, yeah i know but then you'll actually know what's going on it doesn't mean you're going to help them they probably have broomsticks stationed around there because as soon as somebody throws up the spark, you'd imagine they'd broomstick it in. Yeah, they'd probably broom in, broom in, or or tran, tran, maybe no, they can't, they can't operate in. They'd have to broom in. Yeah, whereas Hagrid's, I think, would well, Hagrid's too big. We know he's too big to go on a broom. So. These days, um, you'd have drones. You'd have the live drone feed. Drones wouldn't work at Hogwarts, though. Good point. But like you said, it's almost we can't see it live and as it happens no. because you would intervene. Yeah, that's the jeopardy. You got to actually, yeah. you got to actually be doing it. So, what do you think about this little passage where Harry's lying awake and he's getting really angry? <laughs> he's watching Neville sleep creepily. Yeah. And then he's like, "It was all Voldemort. It's all Voldemort. It all comes back to Voldemort." What do you- yeah. 
So I don't really have a question I, for you. I just want to see what you thought when you were reading that back. I think it's just a like, he's having a, we don't see loads of Harry's like anger. Given everything that's happened to him, he's very resilient um, because of being brought up by the Jerseys or whatever. It takes a lot for him to actually stop and really dwell. Well, I think as a kid in Hogwarts, you wouldn't stop and dwell on things very much. But this is a moment where he is. Mm. He's stopping and just really thinking like just that real moment of like, he's really messed up a lot of people like he's re- do you know what I mean so I, I think it is just a moment of pause where he really stops and contemplates and I think up until this point up until we get to the pensive the tragedy of the story has been around Harry's tragedy yep. do you know what I mean and he is heralded and treated and put on this pedestal throughout the books, you know, the boy who lived and he's, you know, he's famous because of what he's been through. And I think this, it gets thrown into focus with the pensive because all of a sudden he's like, actually what I've been through, yeah, it's bad, but actually it's not as bad as some of these other stories that are untold. And I think that's what it's done. It's shone it into focus. And he said to me like, well, I get all this sympathy and yet this is going on and nobody's talking about it, then the kind of anger and the realisation of actually all of this stems from one person. And I think we really start to see, like, the anger there. I feel it's a bit childish to, to think all of this stems from one person. And I know technically it does, mm. but he couldn't have done what he did without the people that he had at his disposal, could he? And it's a little bit like you can't, the other people involved can't wash their hands of it and just think like, well, if we get rid of Voldemort, then all the problems are solved. Because that's basically what's happened. Like you cut the head off a snake, but then you've still got your Barty Crouches, your worm tails of this world. And when they come out, your Bellatrixes, and then you've got the people who never definitively found out and therefore are still just kind of part of society. Yeah. You know, it's a bit, I, I've, I felt like I get his anger. I totally get his anger in, in it, terms of what he's thinking about, but it's a bit of a naive childlike way of thinking about it. It's like thinking about like the Nazis were just Hitler or something like that. Yeah, no, I agree. But, um, but he's a child, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's accurate to how I yeah. think a child would think. It is accurate. And also I think it's because, yeah, what the tragedy of what happened in his head at this moment to Barty Crouch Jr. Because I think in Harry's head, yeah. Barty Crouch Jr. is innocent. So he thinks of him as, you know, a victim of this and he th- and obviously Neville is a victim of it. And I think, you know, he is going to hone in on Voldemort because Voldemort directly killed his parents. Yeah. So there's always going to be, he has been very directly affected by him. And, you know, he's right in that Voldemort was the person that harnessed and mobilised all the hatred that was already there. Yeah. But no, you are, in some ways, yeah, it is, it is, it is a bit naive. It's just simplistic, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is. And it's good. It's easier to have a focus for your anger. Yeah. It's easier. And also everyone's fallen for that, haven't they? It's human nature, I think. They obviously had all the trials and, and tried to weed out all the death, death eaters. Yeah. 
after Voldemort had gone. But everyone's kind of like, oh, as long as Voldemort, it seems like as long as Voldemort's not here, it's okay. Yeah. Everyone's kind of falling into that mindset. So yeah. when Mrs. Weasley says your father's still got the marks. Oh, about the um, caretaker. And I'm amazed Rob didn't bring this up. Like, because usually he latches on to anything that's kind of like suggestive. Yeah. And this is very suggestive of like yeah. what they were doing, like going off for a walk or whatever. Yeah, I forgot about I mean, where, where do you think he's been marked? <laughs> the bum. <laughs> still got the marks. I mean, Jesus, how hard was he hit? Yeah, and you think about that and you think, oh, how would you have done parents' evening after that? Fuck, <laughs> in you? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so dodgy, man. That is so dodge. I love it. I know this is a tricky one because all of our <laughs> all of our mums listen. Yeah. Um, and we touched on this a little bit when Rob was talking about, you know, would Ron be a bit put out that his mum's kind of turned up unannounced at school? Yeah. Would you not be just a little bit more kind of like embarrassed is the wrong word, but the way that all of his family just like sit down together at, at dinner with like yeah. the whole school around, I would be like, oh, I'd be living so self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> so self-conscious if like, and this gets into what some of what we were talking about of like, why is there not just like more people? Yeah. Because I feel like if I was Cedric or certainly Cedric or Ron um, or Ginny or the, or the Weasley twins, I'd be like really self-conscious that like, my parents have, my mum or my parents have like come for dinner and no one else is out. No one else is, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd be more, I'd be completely mortified. They're not going off to a separate room. Like they're just no. at yeah. the table. They're just at the table. I'd be like, oh, God. I, I'd be like completely mortified. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if it's different in private school, in boarding schools. Maybe. I wonder if that's what it is because the way that they respond is like how kids and um, respond in like early primary school which is like they're so proud to show off their mums and their little brothers or sisters and they you know they're really really proud whereas oh yeah god if I was in year nine and my mum turns out to have a packed lunch with me I'd be like what, what are, are you doing, doing? <laughs> but I wonder if it is different in private schools because that like mum and dad element of it isn't in your day to day. Yeah, well, they're not they're not at the gate, are they? Like there's no school run. So they're probably a bit more novel. Yeah, that's what comes across, isn't it? Because they're like delighted to see her. Yeah. And, and the other students, like if they saw another parent in, in our kind of school, you'd be like, oh, what's so-and-so's kind of mum sort of doing there yeah because you might have a bit more of a relationship with them or you might kind of see them quite regularly and yeah whereas this is yeah it's obviously kind of like a special thing but yeah I, I was like oh god I'm not sure I would have liked that and I think the way the kids respond to it is a little bit yeah yeah but but like sixth form then like interesting enough where the actual champions are mm. like by then, you're okay being around your mum and your friends again. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. By then, it's reached, like, a different level of, yeah, of maturity, true. isn't it? Yeah, we all like our mums. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... Some might say we love them. I, I, I don't 
in year nine, year ten, if my mum had like turned up at school and been like, I'm here to have lunch with you, I'd have been like, get out. <laughs> I don't just think, I reckon I'd have just blanked her. Yeah, just walked away. Just <laughs> Absolutely pretended I didn't know her. <laughs> so do you think Hagrid's been breeding the scroots for this purpose all along and it's all been a clever ruse? Oh, that's interesting. But no. You think it's a no? You think they've just been chucked in last minute? You don't think there's any chance that he was kind of like, you know, he had permission to do the crossbreeding and this is why... I don't think he had permission. I don't think he had permission. (laughs) No, you think they've just been chucked in there because they're literally lethal. Yeah, Yeah. I've made these really great things. But I reckon Dumbledore was like, I reckon that, no, the ministry were like, oh, Dumbledore, ask Hagrid or whatever if he's got anything. And Dumbledore said to Hagrid, oh, can you provide some like magical creatures? No, I reckon he was like, can you look after the Sphinx and stuff until yeah. they're ready to go in? And Hagrid was like, oh, do you know what? I've got, and Dumbledore was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. And he just shoved whatever he wanted in. Ten for screw it, see the rest of them. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a bit like, oh, it might have even been that night. He was just like, do you want to go in, Gerald? Because that's the script's name. Do you think, <laughs> yeah, Gerald. <laughs> just while we're in the, the maze, Rob made a pretty good prediction about Crumb yeah. there, didn't he? I thought he, I thought he was saying... At first, he's being imperious. And then I realised he meant that he's being groomed. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't remember. He's thinking Karkaros, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't remember the imperious curse is a thing. Um, But but he's kind of got it right that, like, Crumb's not really that bad. Oh, yeah. You know, something else is making him do it, but he's just not quite made the final step. And also, I I think, like, the little magic frog is not... Like, obviously, it's not really an idea. Like, he's not really come up with an idea. All he said is, the explanation will be magical. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of obvious, but, you know, he's kind of got an idea that there's something small that is giving her the information. Yeah. And then, yeah, just to finish off the maze, do you think the spider was either, like, like a really good fake or, like, de-venomed or something? Because... The acromantula are like so deadly. They will yeah. bite you, kill you, and eat you. And they've managed to isolate one. But was managed- it definitely an acromantula? Well, what are you thinking? It might have been a fake, or like another type of spider, or another type of spider, because it bites Harry, right? No. Let's get the passage here. Rob won't be happy if it's people didn't mess with. Let's get the let's get the let's get the passage. For all the good it did, he would have thrown a stone at the spider, jerked, scuttled around and ran at Harry instead. It's no use. The spider was either large or so magical that the spells were doing no more than aggravating it. It was lifted into the air. He tried to kick it. His leg connected with the pincers, and next moment he was in excruciating pain. Yeah, that's a pincer. It's not been bitten. It's been pinched. He's been pinched. A pincer is not a... It's not a mouse. Pincer is like the claw. But but do they is that that's how they get the venom in through the pincer, isn't fangs? it? Do they have pincers yeah. and fangs? Oh well, God. I mean, normal spiders don't have pincers, but remember this is 
a magical creature. I think some big spiders like this do have like little. What do you mean, big spiders like this? This is not real. No, obviously it's like a blown up tarantula, isn't it? What's the difference between a tarantula's pincers and its fangs? That's what we want to know. Because if this thing's like fanged him, he should be dead. Or no, fangs are your mouth. Or it might have been like de-venomed or not, not yeah. be exactly what it looks like or only be a juvenile one. So it, it isn't actually poisonous or something. Okay. Oh God, you're right. The, the venom comes from the pincers. Yeah. Oh, it's creeping me out there. Uh, we just have to assume that it's not an acromantula. I think either it's not an acromantula, it's just a giant, it's just like a literally a blown up tarantula. Oh, God. Like, hugely blown up. Oh, my God. On the 24th of June, 1995, Harry Potter was afflicted with this venom when he suffered a bite to the leg from an acromantula in the Triwizard Maze. Through fork... Though... Though Forks healed the injury with his phoenix tears. Oh, I need a... Gonna need a... Yeah, fork. Does Forks... Does Forks do that? Oh, Forks is... Yeah, Forks later on in... um in Dumbledore's office is healing his leg. So I think, I mean, that says it's an acromantula. Slow-acting slow venom. So though, it, it? I think the options are it's a juvenile acromantula that's been sized up. Yeah, maybe. Or it might just be a tarantula, because that's not canon what you're reading. No, it's not canon. It might just be a, a, a muggle tarantula that's been sized up and therefore oh. it's not as poisonous to humans. Right, let's stop talking about spiders. Yeah, that's creeped me out. Last one I just want to ask, like, do you remember what you thought at the end of this chapter? No. First time you read it? Yeah, I know I was terrified. You were there terrified. Was no yeah. part of me that was thinking podium. I was like, <laughs> what? I didn't necessarily think I thought the task hadn't ended. Basically, Rob's imagining, you know how and, and sorry to do this to you, Brian, but you know how in the movies, which we're not big fans of, but they do exist. When they get sent back from Harry gets back from the cemetery with the body and the, the cup yeah. takes him back to the outside of the maze, and everyone cheers, and there's like a brass band, like yeah, the band. <laughs> and everyone's like, woo, for a few seconds. That's oh, basically God. what Bob is imagining, but with yeah. like Take a tape. That's what he's imagining. <laughs> I forgot about the band in the movie. The band in the movie is funny, man. It's great. <laughs> oh, God. He won't stop playing for ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll obviously be a fair bit to go through next week with Flesh, Blood and Bone and yeah. the Death Eaters. I mean, what do you think Rob is going to think of all that? Uh, his mind better be freaking blown. I hope he loves it. I hope, really hope he loves it because this is the best bit. I think he'll love it. I hope he's scared. I don't think he'll be scared at all. I think he'll no, love it because he'll be thinking like, I think he'll be excited that Voldemort's got a body. Do you reckon? I think Rob will think like, it's about time really. This this thing's been like a thing on the back of a head and then like a mist <laughs> and a baby. Like it's about time. If he was ever going to be a threat, he, to get he a had body. to actually have a body. Yeah. You know, blood sacrifice, cauldron in the cemetery. I think you'll like it. I think you'll really like yeah. it. Thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. Our jingles were original compositions by Emily Tomps, Philippa Thomas and Craig David. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. Goodbye from Phil. Impedimenta. Goodbye.
and goodbye from me. Goodbye.